0: What up, all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 228 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I sat down with surfboard designer Stoker. And before I play this episode, I wanted to give it a little bit of context. Within the surf culture, there are unwritten rules, things that surfers just don't talk about. And so throughout this episode, you might feel that Stoker is being a little bit vague when I ask him a few questions. Well, that's just derived from the years in which He's kind of taken an unwritten oath, an oath that, again, doesn't really allow him to talk about certain places that he is either currently at or places that he's been. Because one thing that all surfers are always trying to do is preserve the lifestyle that they fell in love with. Because ultimately, we are trying to maintain a level of fun with the sport that we love. And the more people that come to these environments, the less fun it becomes for a lot of us who made the effort to get there prior to the internet, for example, which Stoker's generation didn't have the the accessibility to information. So they were just hardcore adventurers wandering out into the world and just searching out the waves that they wanted to surf. So throughout this episode, I ask certain questions that Stoker kind of tries to avoid. And as he says, he's located on a certain place on earth right now that has allowed him to find a new lease on life. As he said, growing up in Goleta and Spending so many years in Hawaii, it was the best time of his life, and he knew that. And over the years, with surfing becoming so popular and the populations going to those specific places that he loved so much, it became harder for him to enjoy that sport. And so he started getting maybe a little bit more negative, maybe a little bit more bitter. And until recently, just before he turned 64, he found a place that reminded him of the past. And although it's not exactly and never will be the same as it once was for him, sharing ways with all of his best friends in the Santa Barbara area and in Hawaii, you can definitely see in his face and how he articulates through the episode how happy and full of joy he is nowadays. So I'd like you to just pay close attention to that, the vibrance in his voice as he reminisces about the past and as he talks about the present. Even though we don't divulge where he is within this world, Stoker is full of life and joy and living a truly spectacular life. And as he says, you can learn a little bit more about him and his story at stokervmachine.com. But I hope as you listen, you can really hear that there is always a place out there for everybody, a place where you can feel like you fit in. You can have a new lease on life, and it doesn't matter what age you are. There is always a place out there for you to fit into. And like in the last few episodes, please stick around until the very end as I will kind of go back through and pick out that little nugget of wisdom that I think Stoker leaves behind throughout the whole conversation for us to take and venture off as we seek out that lifestyle or that life that we've always dreamed of. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Stoker. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America.
1: With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes.
0: I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to
1: do in the rest of my
0: life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I am joined by who I consider a good friend at this point. Somebody that I was acquainted through many prior friends coming to encounter him in a unique place in this world that I'm so happy I got to. Stoker, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, my friend.
0: It's a pleasure to meet you, my man. And I'm happy to get to finally meet a man that I've heard so much about and I think get to know you a little bit better. You know, in the time that we've spent together, I got to share your birthday with you, 64 years old. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. I made it.
0: <laughs> you did make it. And I brought you on today because as I get to know you better, I'm realizing that you've come to a crossroad in life, that you chose to make a decision to move yourself out of maybe a life situation that you weren't as happy with as you once were. And you've moved into something now where every day I see you, you have a smile on your face. And you couldn't be happier to charge on as many more years to come are in front of you. Would you say that's kind of accurate?
1: Right to the point. I mean, (laughs) this uh, months back, I was going to go visit some friends in Hawaii, which I miss. And I was told uh, by some friends, don't come over yet, wait a while. And I started thinking and... I, my one friend was going to go somewhere else that I had never been. And I had friends a long time ago, maybe my last year in high school, that came to this region, and they uh, they seemed awfully happy. And through the, the years, which is, I don't know, 45, or I'm not sure, a long time ago, uh, they've told me about these places that... I, didn't, I just loved Hawaii. I didn't ever have to go anywhere else. So recently where I grew up in California and Hawaii, um, things have been changing a lot. Not quite the same. The virus, which of course changed the whole universe. And uh, yeah, basically I... I'd, I'd, didn't feel that good about surfing. There were just so many people surfing where I grew up. It, it, and of course the world's always changing so uh, if this wasn't w- what it once was and it hadn't been for quite some time but especially recently since the virus things seem to escalate and a lot of my friends that surfed have passed away or quit and uh love them to death they're the best but I was just getting kind of turned away from surfboarding and I'm just going wow you know what am I gonna do things aren't the same a lot of depressed people and (laughs) thank goodness I listened to my one friend because and it's out there for everybody You just need to uh reach out look out and check things out and they could be coming your way i mean last thing i ever thought would happen to me and it did i mean gave me a whole new life it's like uh it's unbelievable beyond words it's beautiful it's beautiful
0: that we get to share this moment and you get to articulate this to, I think, a mass of people who find themselves in a similar situation, whether it's at a job they hate, you know, in a marriage they're unhappy with, um, in a town they've been dreaming of leaving for the last 30, 40 years, you know, maybe they are turning 64 next year, and they just, they've lost so many friends, and they just don't have that connection to the environment they used to have, and to hear this coming out of your mouth, where there is an opportunity for people to find something new, I think is tremendously inspirational. And thank you for sharing that. Um, for the audience to understand, I think it's important to note like, Stoker is a li- lifelong surfer and surfboard shaper.
1: Not yeah. shaper, designer. Designer. When I was young, I did some surfboards okay. with the help of my friend, Chef Crothers because my manner taught me everything and uh then you know for Hawaiians Dennis Pang and then more recently Stephen Ng and uh yeah they're this they've always been my heroes these people and it's uh really cool really cool that I got to hang out with them and the biggest wave I ever rode in my life at Wyoming Bay that was considered, uh, probably not all that big of a wave because sunset, it just started closing out. And so, uh, Kenny Bradshaw, Dennis Pang, everybody back then, Roger Erickson and Alex and these guys, they I caught this wave with Dennis Pang, the biggest wave I ever caught. And I looked up and the lip hit him in the head. And I was shaking in my boots. My knees were shaking so bad towards the end of the wave, which I made. I had to lay down. And I got to the beach and I was just a mess. And I look and hear all the sunset people coming to Waimea Bay because it just got 20 feet bigger where I wanted nothing to do any bigger than whatever size that wave was. But yeah, yeah, that was, uh, really cool. Do you remember, the, do you remember the year? <laughs> I'm thinking 25, 30 years ago and that went awfully quick. So I'm not exactly sure, but I remember the board I was writing was uh, Glenn Kalakukui's red bottom clear deck ten four, 4 And, uh, man, I got a nice-sized wave on it with a number of people, including uh, Dennis. And, man, oh, man, that was it. Uh, I still get chicken skin thinking <laughs> of it.
0: Prior to this moment that you're in right now, which sounds like a new beginning, you found surfing, obviously, at a young age, and you describe yourself as a surfboard designer. How did you know this is something you want to dedicate yourself to, and you were willing to sacrifice everything for it? Because I'm under the impression that's kind of what you've done. You've lived your life with the waves, in the ocean, surfing, designing boards, and that's kind of been your passion for your whole life.
1: Yeah, I grew up in Palm Springs as a young kid, and I just remember our home. Uh, Nothing really around it. What seems interesting to me, and it was uh, early 60s, well, late 50s through the early 60s, and what's strange is I remember sand dunes around our house, and not too many homes anywhere. What it reminded me of was the end of the Flintstones, where... he's calling Wilmer and the lights go out and there's like Dino the dog and there's like a stone house with cactus and sand and there's a bunch of stars in the sky and then left there and uh, I think I lived in Hollywood for a couple years maybe 65 66 And uh, our neighbors surfed. My friends' uh, big brothers, they surfed. So they had all the cool surfboards, the Ricks and the Jacobs, and with the wood laminated fins. It was pretty, pretty long time ago. So I got into surfing and got to go to the beach first with them, and then my mom would take me to Malibu. And then in late 66, moved to... uh, Galita, Isla Vista, and I went to, uh, Devereaux School, which was, uh, very, I think there were six or seven of them, and, uh, Sylvester Stallone went to one, not the one that I went to, but, yeah, uh, your parents had to be very wealthy to send you to Deverex, so I left out, I was a troub- uh, trouble treble child, and, uh, they sent me to Deborah, which I think was eight hundred a month, which would be equivalent now to maybe you know thirty thousand dollars or fifty so uh yes i I went to Deborah's school from uh six, late sixty six to seventy one and uh it, it was really a cool thing because as i mentioned you had to be very wealthy and your were you really wealthy were your there? parents really I, well. my dad owned pharmacies okay. uh, i think the first one maybe in mission viejo and a number of other ones and uh the whole deal was uh i was a terrible kid and i would keep on getting in trouble I remember being in love with this young girl and uh, maybe seven or eight years old. And my friends, uh, say, you know, you can't be, she's a girl. You can't <laughs> hang out with her. So they talked me into doing something really rotten, and I got expelled and sent to Devroye. I, I asked her if she wanted to have a seat, and being the polite young man that I was, I pulled the chair out from under her butt. And this, looking at her face and seeing her cry, that kind of straightened me out. But, yeah, anyway, I went to Devereaux, and uh, they would give you horseback riding every day, surfboarding every day, archery every day for a punishment. Go to movies once a week, the new movies, big allowance. But if you didn't do what you were asked to do, everything they promised you, you would end up going to bed after dinner, no dessert, daylight savings time, missing the evening windswells. You would get nothing.
0: So this is interesting. In that era, there was a school that allowed you to go surfing as like a class? Yes,
1: it was this part. Uh, there were a lot of, I'm not sure how to say this, uh, conscientious objectors
0: Conscientious objectors yes
1: that one so uh, most of the staff members and three or four of them were the best surfers probably in California at the time so uh, we got to go to all the best rock concerts Janis Joplin Jimi Hendrix everyone they give you anything if you messed up once you That's all it took. Nothing. <laughs> Sent to your bedroom notice or every day for two, three weeks, you get upset, whoop, make things worse.
0: <laughs> That's such an interesting upbringing that I think nowadays, you know, a lot of like friends that I know who have children who are looking for different alternatives for their children to go to school are finding options like this. Well, when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, I didn't hear much about it. Maybe there were these kind of options, but it sounds like yeah, it's crazy that for your generation, you had a few of these options and then it skipped a few generations and now it's kind of coming right, back. Where, right. Like my little niece is playing, you know, ukulele in school and she's doing all these crazy, cool, creative activities every day. And they're encouraging this sort of thing. And I think it's yeah, such it's a, the best. a beautiful
1: thing. Sure. I mean, welcome to the future. A couple bitching things happen.
0: <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, speaking of your love of surfing, this is kind of when you really honed in on your desire to make surfing a.
1: All my life since I was in Hollywood or wherever that was. And uh, this uh, it was really cool, the whole Hollywood scene, because my mom knew some. Uh, she was a model at Once Once Upon a Time, I think, Wilson House of Suede or something, I can't recall. But uh, she knew movie and uh, producers of music, rock and roll, was really big in the mid-'60s, late-'60s in L.A. So, uh, yeah, these people, I remember the producers of... Uh, the mamas and the papas coming over with her and some, uh, people that maybe drove up in Rolls Royces and it was a good time back then. And, uh, that was my first, uh, when I came into surfing and that was, of course, you know, sell out time, kid shit. And, um, Moondoggy with the Beach Blanket, Bingo, and Bongo, and How to Stuff a Wild Bikini, and I love those movies. I mean, that sucked me into surfing and that, and a good friend of mine when I was a kid, I mean, I couldn't believe it, uh, one of my counselors, Jeff Crothers, I was saying, uh, yeah, he wanted, he goes, yeah, I have some records, and I wanted this Country Joe and the Fish record, and I go, well, I got two of these Beach Boy records. I, I could part with one. And he goes, I can't listen to that band. They were the band that ruined surfing. Hmm. And all of a sudden, I, li- I didn't like the Beach Boys anymore. <laughs> so,
0: What does it mean, so the audience can understand, to have that kind of feeling that you discovered at such a young age where you know that this is a part of you and something that you have to do? You know, to find that at such a young age, I think, for a lot of listeners and people in general is unusual. But Many people at your age even are still scratching their head going like, what am I supposed to do with my life? I've been doing this, sure. you know, whatever it may be that they're unhappy at. Like, what feeling did you have that surfing gave you that you knew this needed to be a part of your life? for
1: as Well, much- what? as far as I remember being a young kid in Palm Springs, I was months old and my first memories other than looking at my dad laying on his back and moving his Adam's apple was definitely in a swimming pool and I can't remember I'm guessing I was two or I don't even know but I grew up in in the water and uh, yeah from then on and then meeting my friends and their brothers and I think uh, the one kid's brother had a 66 GTO, Metal Flake Blue, and to match it, he had a Hobie 10 that same color, same color, with the, I don't even think Aloha racks were out yet, or Rincon racks, I might be wrong, that's a long time ago.
0: If you were to, look back on your long life that you've already lived, would you say you kind of pieced it together to maintain a life of happiness fulfilled through surfing? Or would you say that you lived a life where you were always kind of on a path that was choreographed in a way, where you kind of always knew where you were going?
1: I could only hope and wish, I mean... It not cheap to be a surfer and you know skiing's even more and then you have motorcycles and race cars but um it was more of this uh, the upbringing into it and loving it so much and i this uh was really into rock and roll like i said and i remember rainbow bridge coming out and all my surf heroes were in that and um so yeah, you would this, say you
0: piece it together. You are always just trying to maintain a life within the, yes. the surf world.
1: And then I knew uh, several Hollywood movie stars that surfed too. Okay. And that was cool. And uh, this it seem like all my heroes, like a bunch of people where I grew up in Santa Barbara kind of live all that down, and they're older than I am. They're mm-hmm. 15, 12, 15 years older than me. But in my generation, you know, it was just such a cool thing. And, uh, for my time watching my older friends surf and, uh, seeing the progressive part of surfing is just like, uh, it's an honor to me yeah. because I got to be part of it. What up, What I don't really like is, I I think of people like Rennie Yader, or Titus, or Glenn Kalukukui, or Billy Hamilton, or LJ Richard, and a million other people, they're Jeff Crether's. they're my heroes, they are idols, and the people call me a legend, I'm just like going... I, I, two people called me that the other day in one day. <laughs> and that's a, it's a little much to take because I'm like the farthest thing in the world. I mean, what I consider a legend. Pat Curran and his son and people that have changed things. Cappy Patterson and
0: Why do people call you that? I mean, what is it that you've done? I,
1: it's all younger people. Okay.
0: So they yeah, see you nobody
1: as my age or older, I guarantee you, is going to call me a legend.
0: So from your perspective, maybe, or my perspective, they're looking at somebody who has designed a life that you have committed themselves to something and never strayed, never surrendered to, like, oh, fuck, I haven't done what was expected of me by society, so I'm just going to go get a 9-to-5 and just suck it up. Like, you've maintained a course within your passion window or the state in which you want to live your life Sure.
1: well most of the people that would say that to me are probably uh i live in isla vista i have since i've been eight years old that's ucsb campus santa barbara and you know people uh, my old a lot of my older friends just think i they think i'm great for doing it and hanging in there and other people are just like god come on stoker mm-hmm. i mean really you've been in there for so long and now they're like your grandchildren all all the girls in there and god don't you want to just go downtown to joe's cafe and meet somebody your age and (laughs) start laughing
0: why why did you stay for so long
1: i did now i'm ready to move on i mean everything's changed and Nothing against homeless people right near where I live and all the needles. And I can't even believe I'm saying that because uh, the generation I grew up in, I mean, nothing should matter like that. But a lot of fights and people running around with bayonets and interesting Mm. instruments. I'm kind of, yeah, I think I'm uh, headed in some other interesting direction.
0: That's awesome. Let's just give the audience a quick perspective on the reason you're called a legend and the reason you are known within the surf world is because of a design you created, right? Or multiple designs of a surfboard.
1: Well, I would say to begin with, like I said, most of the people are so much younger than me. And it wouldn't matter if I'm if they're 18 to 24 it wouldn't matter if i'm 40 40 or 80 i'm just an old person yeah so they figure i've surfed for a hundred years Yes. Yeah. and so here's this legend guy
0: right but i'm just saying for the audience like what stoker design is a unique shape that people still pay
1: their respects to Probably the 7-6 is the most uh, popular one. Right,
0: so it's significant just because a lot of the audience doesn't necessarily understand the surf world, so I'm trying to bring
1: that out. Right, now, you know? right. Well, my good friend and mentor, Jeff crethers, we went to go see this movie in 1968 that George Greeno came out with, and it was called The Innermost Limits of Pure Fun. And right then uh surfboards everything changed uh Bob McTavish and Nat Young were a big part of that, but Greeno's influence and uh hit the next sport he had made was uh didn't have much v in the bottom, but it was the outline of a V uh, v bottom, so it had the diamond tail with kind of a wide pointed nose. Kind of racy notes, actually, for that kind of thing back then. And he made it as light as he could and had the real nice fin clear with a red deck. And I think that's right after uh, OPEG, so it might have been the first tint in a nice red color. And back then, uh, everything was solid army green and Uh, dark orange and blood red and this no really bright colors so after that movie i remember around the same time the nice colors came out and i remember the most innovating thing that i saw for the time because he could not get tint at the time which is a transparent color on a surfboard not solid opaque. he had uh There were these beautiful fruit colors, fruit coloring, and they had the purple and the watermelon, and, man, he laminated them on and this looked beautiful. The only problem was after about three days of leaving them in the sun, the boards would turn clear because they were fruit coloring, (laughs) not a special color for resin.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah, the mixture was incorrect interesting yeah i think with what you've created over the years and where you find yourself now do you have the same can you relate to where how you feel now to where you've what you felt like when you first discovered surfing Do you have that same kind of like zest for life
1: no i'll never have that that i mean i think of that all the time i mean i love surfing at least more than life and beautiful and yeah, you know, get being blessed enough to be in Hawaii with Titus and all my and Tommy Tanaka and Bonga and Lance O'Connell and Dino Miranda and a million other people. Uh, yeah, it's just like I mean that's like the what I dreamed of. I mean, a dream wouldn't even be the right word. It's it's just too good to be true, and it's something I always dreamed of, but. You know there's nothing like your first nose ride or you finally got good enough to knee paddle instead of prone paddle and then do your butt paddle with the legs up and you know I mean the other day on my nine foot board I didn't think I would ever be able to do it again but I was paddling in And I put my butt on the board and my knees up and I caught a wave paddling in on my butt. (laughs) So, this, anything like that, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool for sure.
0: This is interesting, actually, because I can relate in that there is a moment in time that I knew for a fact was the most special moment I've ever experienced, and this lasted for many years, for me in Nicaragua, and... I knew every single day that I was living the best life I could ever live. But what I didn't realize, because I genuinely thought was that it was going to last forever. And then as it started to fade away and things started to change and people started to move on and I started desperately grasping to hang on to it and hope that I could either recreate it or they might come back one day. I realized that it's gone forever. And so my, earlier question was you know with your newfound sort of lust for life again you found a new opportunity a new place to be but it's not quite what it was
1: well nothing is correct i mean yeah i mean you mind over matter and this you know yeah meditating and (laughs) (laughs) yoga but i guess this is yeah this is
0: profound and interesting because i haven't actually met somebody yet who would say they've uncovered something that has given them the same sense of fulfillment that they once felt from that first thing
1: yeah um, i i definitely encourage anybody everybody to i mean it's out there i'm not telling anyone where i am <laughs> but it, it's out there and it surprises the shit out of me i gotta tell you but if i could find it so can you and yeah, there's a little piece of pie for all of us out there.
0: I love it. It's just not quite like it used to. You found it again, but it's not quite that same
1: Well it it will never, you know. I mean you got memorex for that, this memories. Yeah. And that's great too, but uh until recently people would go, Yeah, well look at this and we gotta head towards the future. Oh, fuck y you, you know. I I don't know no stoker, you can't Listen, you cannot keep on living in the past and you know what the past is good and I've been talking about it but right now this this is it it's really cool and check it out
0: <laughs> I love it. So for the audience to kind of like see a little bit more of Stoker and what Stoker is about you can go to what stokervmachine.com which I'll put in the show notes but I just want to clarify. It's a website that does what? It, it helps people? Well,
1: it helps you can look bored. at it. has a part of a story and a bunch of, I don't believe there's maybe one picture of me in there. I don't think so, but an awful lot of my friends that uh, I think maybe a bunch of people you guys would know. And there. are a lot of my friends. So check it out for sure. And, good sight and maybe a story or two and stoker's got
0: a lot of stories and i i diverted him from all the stories because there's too many and we were trying to just learn a little bit more about where he's finding himself today in this moment because i know it's been a big shift for him as i spent your 64th birthday with you in a beautiful place and
1: well that's it it's 60 you know i mean i i was guy you know i'm gonna be 64 and Who in the hell thought of that expression, 64 and so much more? And then all of a sudden, the last five months, it's like, boom. No kidding. So, you know, and then I was thinking, I'm a young kid in 1968. I'm 11 years old watching a Beatle movie. And they have a song about uh, when I was, you know... I'm going to be 64 and all of a sudden i'm 64 and it's like wow well, you know what this ain't that bad
0: it's not that bad and just to give some perspective before we wrap up stoker wakes up every day does his morning routine paddles out gets a few waves comes back in spends the rest of his day talking to new acquaintances new friends has a few beers goes to bed and does it all over again Would that sound about right Yes, without a doubt. And before we wrap up, I ask every guest this. If you could talk to one listener out there who's hearing your story and relating to it in some way, shape, or form, and maybe hasn't found this moment that you just described, this kind of breath of fresh air, this new beginning of sorts, what would you tell them to maybe inspire them and take that first step to find it?
1: It's an eye-opening experience like anything. It's like anything you you know it's some things are hard to come by but uh yeah look around that look around it's there I mean I was turning doubtful my friends were all wow stoker we can't believe that this came out of your mouth and uh, there is alternatives and they're out there for every one of us so check it out Thank you, Stoker, for your time. Appreciate you. You got it, my brother.
0: Awesome. Thank you again, Stoker, for joining me. It was such a pleasure to meet you in person, to celebrate your 64th birthday with you. I can't wait to continue to share waves with you into the future. And for all you listeners out there, as before, in the last few episodes, I've been going through and just trying to give you some key takeaways that I really feel are important. And in today's episode, I really felt the key takeaway was new beginnings. You know, Stoker has been living a dream life for decades. He found a passion at an early age, and he dedicated his life to following that passion and designing a life around that passion of surfing and surfboard design. Well, not all of us are that lucky. A lot of us will go through life not really ever connecting with that one thing that we know we want to spend the rest of our lives doing. But as Stoker articulates throughout the episode that passion did turn and change for him and places in which he loved changed and people that he loved left and moved on to different locations around the world or into the afterlife. And it became difficult for him to adjust to the current situations he found himself in because it was so different than what he had fallen originally in love with. But now at 64 years old, within the last six months has found a location on planet earth that fulfills him, that allows him to get to do what he loves in an environment with people he feels connected to and a place that he feels he belongs in. And I think that's really the takeaway from this. There is always a place and an opportunity if you're willing to go seek it out. As he says, you have to look around, you might have to listen to friends and you might have to take that chance, but it is out there if you're willing to take that risk and go look for it. So thank you so much, Stoker. Here's to new beginnings. I appreciate you and all you listeners out there. I think you all are so very beautiful. And I look forward to seeing you in another future episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspired you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you and I'll see you next time.